0: Jcastnetwork.org.
1: Welcome to Daily Daff Differently. I'm David Greenstein and we are studying Tractate Masechet Eruvin Daff Pei Page 80 The Issues that are discussed uh, are many on this page uh, They revolve around the number of questions regarding creating a common package of food that will bond the dwellers of a number of uh courtyards together in a she mevoot as mentioned already in the Mishnah on the previous page. And the issues have to do with whether people have to be informed of these uh, packages that have create that are created on their behalf, how much food has to be in the package, what happens if the food uh is reduced below the amount that was originally put in, uh, below the amount that is the minimum amount, and uh, the other question has to do with family members. And we discussed last time the unique role that family members play in this dynamic that is created between a person who wishes to include people outside of his household into a common group the Talmud discusses the question of the role of a person's wife. What if a person is not present when the Eruv or the Shittuf has to be made? Can the wife make this shituf or give assent to the creation of Shittuf on behalf of her husband? So with regard to family members in a household, I'd like to focus on one story that is reported on this page, and it's a story that apparently became notorious and was known throughout the rabbinic world. We have a number of questions that are asked about this story, and finally, uh, the Talmud reports that a sage was told that when they go to the land of Israel, they should make a detour specifically to be able to find out more details about what exactly happened in the story. And so we know that people were preoccupied with this particular event. What is the story and what was it that people were concerned about? The Talmud reports a dispute between Rav and Shmuel, the two premier sages in Babylonia, in the first generation after the Mishnah was codified. And their dispute is about whether or not uh, in various forms of an Eruv, uh, a person who makes an Eruv for other people needs to uh, convey some kind of ownership symbolically to the people upon for whom he's making the Eruv. Is it enough that he's just doing it on their behalf or is there have to, does there have to be a zikui? Does there have to be a declaration and an act of transferal of ownership or of sharing of ownership? This is the background which brings up the story. And the story is that the daughter-in-law of Rabbi Oshaya went to the bathhouse on Friday afternoon and it became dark. And time passed and it was now almost Shabbat and she wasn't home yet. And she wasn't going to be able to get back home yet unless there was an Eruv made on her behalf and her mother-in-law jumps into the breach and creates an Eruv for her and now the question is, did her mother-in-law do the right thing? Did it work? It's interesting here that the circumstances are already blurred. We don't know where this woman, this young woman, the daughter-in-law of Rabbi Yoshaya, Rabbi Ashaya, one of the most prominent sages in Israel in that same period, the end of the Mishnaic and the beginning of the uh, Amoraic period. We don't know where she went exactly. This is a dispute among the commentators. Are we talking about a situation where she went to another chatzair? She went to another courtyard where the bathhouse was? and she didn't get back in time to make the Eruv for uh, the uh, uh, courtyard where she lived. She didn't get a chance to join in that Eruv and that would have meant that when she got back uh, for Shabbat she would have been uh, uh, restricted in her uh, abilities to uh, use the courtyard. That's one possible possibility. Tosafot and Rabbeinu Hananeo see it that way. But Rashi says something else. Rashi says that the problem was that she went chutz that she went far away. She went to a bathhouse that was so far away that in order to return she would have transgressed the prohibition of too much traveling on Shabbat. All of this makes us begin to wonder, why did this woman leave at the very last moment or why did she dally for such a long time and then get brought up short just as Shabbat was coming in? What was she thinking? Was this an innocent mistake or was something else going on? Furthermore, why is her mother-in-law jumping in in order to make the Eruv? We begin to wonder, did the daughter-in-law intend to return? Was she brought back? despite her desire to run away. Do we have here a story, a mild story of some kind of transgressive impulse, or was this simply a, an uncontrolled lapse of judgment? The role of women in making an eruv is problematized in this sugya, and yet we have other texts that tell us that women were actually the ones who were active all the time in making sure that the Eruv happened. And this may again be germane uh, to the dispute about what is this story about. If we're talking about a ruvei wrote. if we're talking about the Eruv for a courtyard or for an alleyway, shi tu fei we have evidence from the Tosefta that women were very active in making such an Eruv, and it's only natural to imagine that, because after all, they were the ones doing the cooking, they were the ones doing the housework. And Rabbi Meir is quoted in the Tosefta as saying that, Lo binot Yisrael The daughters of Israel were never deterred from sending out the Eruv and sharing the Eruv with using their children. That touches on another dispute which we'll get to some other time, about the use of the children, the involvement of the children in the family. But he specifically mentions Benot Yisrael. It's interesting that we have a textual emendation that has no basis in any of the manuscripts, where the Vilna Gaon, the Gaon of Vilna, changes it to Bnei Yisrael. He seems to have been uncomfortable with giving credit to benot Yisrael, the daughters of Israel, with this active involvement in making an Eruv. We don't have the same kind of reports with regard to an Eruv, with regard to the distances. And so if this is a story about going beyond the distance, is this a story about a person who tried to escape this community safe setting? Her mother-in-law saves her at the last minute, or did she? This becomes a dispute between Rabbi Chia and Rabbi Ishmael Rabbi Ossi. The question was brought to Rabbi Chia: Had this young woman's mother-in-law done the proper thing? Had she availed in making her uh, Eruv on her daughter-in-law's behalf? And of course we have to remember that this mother-in-law was the wife of Rabbi Oshaya himself. Where was he? He disappears from the picture. Other sages are brought in to discuss whether or not what she did was correct. And Rabbi Chia dismisses her act. It was ineffectual. And there are discussions about why that was the case. Apparently because she didn't perform the act of zikui, She didn't transfer ownership in abstention to her daughter-in-law. She jumped in but didn't fully effectuate the Erev on her daughter-in-law's behalf. When Rabbi Chia makes that determination, his elder colleague, Rabbi Yishmuel, Rabbi Yossi, challenges him and says, You Babylonian, what's the matter with you? Bavloi, kolkach atamach mir Are you so strict in Erevin? Don't you know that we have a principle that we are lenient when we discuss questions of an Erev? So Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi throws out an epithet, Bavlai, Babylonian, stranger. You're not a resident in this neighborhood. You haven't joined in partnership with us in the way we do things. You don't understand. The calm waters of the Talmudic discussions are here at least momentarily, disturbed by the story of these two women. Were they careless? Or were they independent-minded? And who really is in the position to say
0: which? I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.